Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Johnny Smith. I'm Richard Porter. And this is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two mates talk about cars and also, this week, your letters. What I forgot to tell you about the other podcast was <clears throat> I've got a deep dislike to TP, and I don't mean Travis Perkins, the, um, <laughs> the building <laughs> suppliers. Although I have just been there, um, not not for that. I've been there. Have you? I've been there to get a load of emergency bodgery for my conservatory, which has got half a roof. Um, oh, yeah, the other half got taken by the wind. Um, did it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, I'm looking down Jeez. through it right now as I speak. Uh, it's okay. It's a shit conservatory, but it, it needs bodging. Anyway, TP. You know, you know, in your radio or or your 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 infotainment gets interrupted by for a traffic uh, bulletin. Oh, and apparently yes. it's called. I thought it's called TP Traffic Program. It's not Is called it? TR. I thought, I thought it's Traffic Report. TA Traffic Announcement or Territorial Army. It's definitely on some stereo or territorial army. Yeah. Well, hang on, it's Travis Perkins versus the territorial army. Who's, oh, he's going to win. I wouldn't bet against Travis Perkins because they could, <laughs> you know, start throwing. What cement? They could start throwing bricks or cement dust yeah. or something. Oh yeah, or really nasty solvents that you just find to stick Ooh. certain things to certain things. Oh in god, the like that trade. sort of like some of that really tacky paint that you used to do floors with. Oh yeah. Uh, or or, or silicony silicony yes. sprays that make your fingers go all shiny and you can't get rid of the shine for about a year. Yeah, that yeah. stuff that definitely doesn't give you cancer. Um, yeah, they've yeah, got that. quite an arsenal of stuff, haven't they? Old, old TP. They have. Well, TP, it's pissed me right off. I've been driving the BMW iX the last week. Uh, I cannot still for a whole week. I can't turn off the traffic re- uh, report slash program announcement. Um, and it keeps interrupting me either when I'm doing some, I'm, I'm in a deep thinking mood or there's a crescendo to a track that I particularly like that's on the radio and you think, oh, yeah, yeah. this is a good track. And just when yeah. you're about to do a bit of air bass, air drum, air guitar, or even singing, the bastard thing comes in and goes, yeah, of course, it's going to be small. There's a small car crash on the uh, the ring road, so avoid that. No, no, it's, like, but it's happen. not that, is it? It's never that. What? It's, I don't know, you, you've got, let's say, a really great song, like Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks, which I was listening to yesterday, and it's Trump wonderful. Tune. And you're just getting into that. that and Oh, I love this song. And then, But then it's at that volume, and then suddenly you get, boom, 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 okay, and now there's a bit of a backup on an area that you're not going to because it's fucking miles away. <laughs> and it's a hundred times the volume of Stevie Nicks. Oh, that is actually, you're absolutely right. Uh, but also I've noticed it, it, it's not always well-timed because I guess it's a, 
So the person's still talking to the other DJ or something. So it's, it's something like this. Go, ah, that's right, Judith. And uh, you'll be back with Gardening Answers in two minutes. Anyway, there's been a huge <laughs> fatal crash. Um, nowhere near you, about 70 miles from you. And you're not going there today. But anyway, I thought I'd let you know. Anyway, back to Judith with some Gardening Answers. Well, it's, yeah, it's that, isn't it? There's a bit of, there's a bit of a nose on it, but even worse sometimes. Then it's like, yes. Now, earlier on, we were talking about begonias. Now, the thing about begonias is obviously, well, I mean, I say this, but if you ever have seen ladybirds, then you, you go, turn the frigging signal off, <laughs> which apparently, I was told this by TV's Richard Hammond, who used to work in radio, you get fined if you go too early or too late on your TE, TA, TP do, do you? signal. You get fined. Yeah. You get fined. I mean, I don't know what the leeway is. Is it like Morse code where someone has a clicker and they click it when they know they're about to go and shout things about ring roads and broken lanes? I don't actually know. But but yeah. Gas main. It's always a gas main leak. Always a gas main. Yeah. Yeah. In a town you're not in and have no intention of going to. (laughs) There's been a crash that you don't care about in a boring town that you're not nowhere near today. Uh, but and, don't worry because it's at volume 34 <laughs> when everything else you were listening to was on 15 yeah honestly it's pissed me right off it's pissed me right yeah. off it's really tarnished the the experience of um, the very relaxed well, no. driving experience let me ask you this mm. oh, it's, a, it's actually a question I suppose for the broader listenership does anyone leave Travis Perkins slash Territorial Army switched on in their car I don't I think it's long. I, don't, I think don't, it's long obviously. departed. I think so. A bit like CD players in cars. Like, when was the last time you looked for one? Let alone know whether it has one. Uh, I'd be more surprised to discover it had got one. I suppose. I'd love to. But, I'd um, love to lift up the boot. I'd like. I'd like to just. Get, I'd like the dealer to phone me if I'd ordered a car and it hadn't arrived yet, and say, just to say, the car comes with an electric tailgate as standard, but you know and I know that that's a bit shit. So should we swap that for a mini disc player? And you go, God, that's a bloody brilliant idea. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, get in on this. Then. In this era of chip shortages, that might be a, you know, that might be a thing because they are deleting stuff off cars now. Ford will give you money off if you agree to take certain models without some of the um, yeah. features they would normally supposed to have as standard. And I think some car companies, we've mentioned this before, are doing sort of chip shortage specials that. Um, they don't make a big deal about it, but they'll go, oh, special edition. Oh, yeah, by the way, it doesn't have memory seats, but don't worry about that. You don't need them. You don't need them. Do you know what? I actually and think these um, will be, these could be the ones to buy. In the, These are the most um, future-proof of the cars because they're whittling down the largely unnecessary toss. And I quite like that. Or maybe what it will do, it'll, it'll, will it accelerate? L-U-T, the yeah. largely unnecessary toss. Well, it, it How much L-U-T is on this car? Oh, quite a lot, actually. Oh, quite a lot, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's got the new iDrive system, which uh, I don't know, <laughs> 70% of it you'll never use. Yeah. yeah. I, I do honestly think that this could, be, this could accelerate the um, acceptance of having no stuff in a car apart from an input lead mm. and a docking station. And, that's, and I've said it before, it's what I want. The problem for car companies, though, is because it's my firm belief that most customers of new cars don't use a lot of this tech. No. Because they don't know it's there or they see no use for it and they just don't want it. Mm-hmm. And there was, they've just facelifted something. Is it the focus? They've just facelifted. And they've, they have made some changes to some features on the basis that their research showed that customers just weren't using these features. And the problem the car companies have is 
that if the customers aren't using them, they should just delete them, no harm, no foul. Yes. But they don't want to look low-tech for the people who are paying attention. So it's almost like they're in an arms race where you go, well, hang on a minute, the Golf's got lane departure warning and radar crews on it. Why isn't the focus? Because customers don't use it. Well, hang on, hang on. Is it a a disarms race? Uh, Should should car companies be in a race to disarm and to detech? Their car. It's just, a declutter. They just like won't, a, though, will they? An infotainment declutter. Why not? The only people who can do that are sort of someone like Dacia, make a virtue of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But, but Volkswagen can't. You know, they're sort of they've got to look cutting edge, haven't they, and state of the art. But, but why don't they just? They, I, I mean, I mean, I mean this seriously. If someone can tell me why this isn't a thing, I'd love to know. But when you're buying a car, see, the price is quite high. Why don't mm. car? Why don't a car manufacturer do a, a collab with a um, a smartphone manufacturer and just say, look, when you buy the new Nissan Qashqai, you just get any Android phone that you want for with a three-year plan. Unlimited calls, unlimited texts, uh, I don't know, a minimum of 12 terabytes of download so you can you can watch 4K porn for days on end if that's what you want to do. But look, just buy the Qashqai. <laughs> so, and, I, and, I, and, and that could work, right? And then you've got this. But everyone's already phone. got a phone, haven't they? So there's, it's not tempting. Because I mean, particularly yeah, personally, I'd I'm go. Bl- well, I've, I've got a phone, and also it's an Apple phone. I'm used to that. I don't want an Android phone. I had one before, and it was fine. But I don't, you know, not interested. Um, don't buy a cash. Card, I don't know. You've just reminded me of something else. When I had a Ford Fiesta ST as a long-term test car from Evo That's many t- years ago, a Fiesta Saint. I did have a a, a Fiesta, the Saint Fiesta, Fiesta. <laughs> a Fiesta. <laughs> I never thought about it before. Fiestast and a focused Fiestast, focused Fiestast. Um, I had uh, not the last shape, the one before, the sort of blocky one from the two thousands. Oh, yeah, Can't is that the one year that I had that car? Did they do the ZTEC S edition with the chessboard roof? Is it that one? They did, and there was a problem with the ST because I during my time with the ST, which I never much cared for, never fell in love with it. It was okay. It was a bit lead-footed, and the engine was a bit tight. It didn't ever loosen up very nicely. Ooh. And during the time that I had it, I borrowed the ZTEC S, the model below, and it was much nicer because it had smaller wheels. Yeah. And so it didn't have as much grip, but that was a good thing. It had plenty of grip. It rode better. It just felt more alive, and it had a nicer engine. It was like it was just yeah. It was, I was like ah, damn it. I think um, there's a tri- there's a tribal owners um, cult of those. Is there? Yeah, I, th- I think it, I think it's got a really strong following. Well, fair play. The it was Z-Tech a lovely little S. car. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was a really nice car. I remember distinctly going, "This is nicer than the ST." Um, but obviously, Ford could never admit that and just delete the ST. I'm sorry. Who? Who? Who was that? <laughs> sorry, Folds, the Folds Motor Company. Folds. Um, but the Fiesta ST, the Fiesta, uh, Fiesta came with a CD player because it was a while ago. Yeah. But it was just at that point where, um, you know, we were starting to think that we could play iPods in cars. And my previous long-termer was a smart roadster, which had an iPod dock fitted to it. And it was brilliant. It was the first, my first iPod. I, I got an iPod and it was, I could listen to it in that car, which was amazing go. at the time. Seemed yeah. like the future. Yeah. Spent forever burning all my CDs into the computer to be able to put them on the iPod. But then it was like, What, Fiesta hey, forever? All night long. For every, all night. <laughs> it was. It was all night long. Actually, well, I stayed up one night. It just 
<laughs> burning just CDs like Lionel into my new iPod so I could listen to it in my smart roadster which I mean it was quite hard to hear music in that car because it was so noisy but that's not the point got the Fiesta and went oh I wonder if you can plug an iPod in so I asked Folds and Folds. they went eh, not not really no you can't there's no extra input on that stereo that's in there and there's no way of doing it um, hey tell you what we can do we could take out the CD player and put in a tape player and then you can use one of those old school tape adapter things. You're joking. And I went, oh. That's I'll, deeply old-fashioned, isn't it? I'll pass on that, Gosh. yeah. So I just went back to like listening to CDs. Like a caveman. I do like CDs. I've had a bit, we've been having a declutter over the last few weeks at home. And I've... I have been asked <clears throat> why I still have CDs. We we had that we made the family agreement, and I was I was really pushed into a corner over it to get rid of the DVD player and our DVDs, which um. I'm not massively happy about. Uh, my wife doesn't know that I still have a couple of VHS cassettes. Um, <laughs> because, but do you have a VHS player? Yes, it's in the loft. It's hidden. But um, uh-huh. I just I, I sort of I sort of kept my sort of f- favorite ten just in case. And realistically, I'll probably never play them. Or I haven't actually seen them for a while. They might. There is a wasp's nest up there. They've probably eaten all of the ribbons out of them. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah. yeah. So I, I do like I do like a CD, a Sudder. But yeah, D D tra- traffic traffic program. Nobody cares. Do they? I mean, Waze just came in no. and gave, it, gave well, them the exactly. bees and just went, do you know what, guys? And also Google. Obviously, any infotainment that uses Google, like this Zoe of mine, this Zoe long Oh, was your Zoe on a Google system? Yeah, right? and it's really good because obviously it's real-time yeah. traffic issues. It does divert. It gives you advice. It's bloody brilliant. There's only – is that – does that I mean the car is then always – it's, it has its own SIM card, effectively, and it's just finding a signal and doing its own business. I'm not sure. I haven't thought about it. Don't tell anyone. I once went to the America, and I borrowed a Dodge Charger. Yes. The current one, four-door. Yeah. With the amusingly named Scat Pack on it. Oh, yes. Yeah, was it, um, was it a Challenger? Did you say, or was it a Charger? No, Charger is a four-door. Okay. Nice car, I see. Really nice car big sort of you know it's one of those old kind of cars that you don't get so much anymore it just feels like a big friendly blue bear from a cartoon yeah it's not a tight car V8. it's a quick but loose car yes quick and loose just the way we and like that it. had onboard wi-fi and it had no nav built in and instead you just hooked your phone into the onboard wi-fi and i thought very good and i know quite a few cars do that now but this was a well i don't know like four years ago something like that five years ago and i was like this is good but then one day i went for a drive up in the mountains and there's no phone signal so the car can't (laughs) switch on its wi-fi and my phone couldn't find a signal and i got lost and i was just like well that's it i'm gonna get eaten by wolves (laughs) because can't find my way i had to i had to go old school just blunder my way around until i sort of vaguely found somewhere that i recognized oh was that not exciting though if you're not on the clock that's quite exciting uh well i kind of was on the clock though Uh, because i had something to do later and i I, so yeah it was a bit inconvenient not the end of the world i had time in hand but it's just that it wasn't it wasn't like la 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 i've got all day this will end fine it was more like this is going to become a nuisance if i don't sort it soon 
I had a bit of that in Death Death Valley. I had a Death Valley situation like that where the the nav kind of, it was in a pre-production car and the nav was not quite all there. And I had to second guess what it was going to do. And bearing in mind, I've got a photograph. It was eight o'clock at night. It was 40 degrees C. No, 50. Sorry, it was 50. It was 50 degrees at eight o'clock at night. It was unbelievable. That's that's unbearable, isn't it? I'm not good in extreme heat. And that was just, that's too much for me. Oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. That's right, because, you know, my wife grew up in Arizona and sometimes she'll just casually mention temperatures that occurred when she was a child at times of the day when it would have been balmy at most here. And it boggles my mind. I always go, how did you live like that? She's like, because we had air conditioning. Of course, of course. Yeah, this is, there there are certain places in the world. I know that Death Valley hasn't exactly been colonised, but Arizona certainly has, and Phoenix and the area around it, Mesa, where she grew up. Mesa. um, Is, um, you know... One of, I, I think it was, maybe still is, America's fastest growing city, Phoenix. I forget, but it's, it's every time we go back, there's just new bits. We'll be driving along, and my wife will go, "Oh, this is all new." Is that the dawning without without air conditioning that would never have happened? No, that's the thing. It's an so entirely you're all artificial reliant on that machine. Place. Yeah, I couldn't live in a place where you're reliant on the machine that to that level. Just couldn't couldn't do that. Well, because I mean, uh, yeah, I suppose. You could argue the same. You get well. You you lot in Britain, it gets cold in the winter. What are you what are you doing? You need your central heating. But I think you it's know not you that could cold, you can make a fire if you were desperate. You could make a fire, or you could wrap up warm. But the heat, there's only so much you can take off That's before right. you're down to skin, my friend. And then where do you go from there? Where, where do you go? Exactly. You can't build an air conditioning system by foraging for twigs. As far as I'm aware, I bet they could <laughs> on Bear grills or or Ray Mears or something. Do you know we were talking about bitters the other day? Yeah. Um, which, actually, I don't know how we got on to bitters, but um, anyway, the story of this podcast. But um, yeah. we, 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 had a, we, we had an email. I think it was because I did that barn fine Granada, and it was described in the brochure as having bitter chocolate leather with, um, with Chatham Czech textiles. That was the interior, uh-huh. which is always nice. I've had an email from a chap called Sam Frost, <clears throat> he's just put um I'm prompted to drop you guys a line regarding bitters um from your recent uh, obviously he's not bitter you have to say that um I had a bitter SC 15 years ago and I can honestly say it was a brilliant car in almost every way of the 462 SC coupes built there were only ever 29 right-hand drive and mine was apparently the only one of those built with the bigger 3.9 engine and the rare Ooh. five-speed Gutrag manual Ah. A genuinely unique car. It was my everyday car for a couple of years, and I put 30,000 miles on it in that time, working as a press photographer around the UK. I even managed to get a Christmas tree in it once, sticking out through the passenger window. It was fast, comfortable, drove well, looked great, but not overly flashy, wasn't catastrophically thirsty. My other car is a 1969 Bristol 410. Um, Oh, I know. And was generally. This is a man of taste. This man, this man is of taste. My then girlfriend was a historian and had to visit archives around the southwestern parts of France. So we did a couple of good trips down there. And I remember on one occasion leaving Brixton at dawn and being on the French coast near Spain for dinner. 
including going into Paris to collect the girlfriend and stop for a decent lunch somewhere along the way. This is very partridge. The long game. Oh, this is, I was going to say, this man's been living the dream. He has. What is going he on has. here? Is this Harry Metcalf? I'm going to have to check. <laughs> the, the long gearing of the manual gave a pretty relaxed 100 mile an hour cruise in the day when Les Flix cared less about speeding. The story of the Bitter Company is full of what-ifs. Allegedly, they had over a 1,000 cars on order when the money ran out and cash flow issues killed the company. The SC was expensive, 30 grand in the mid-80s, and, and always struggled with the perception that it was just an Opal in a frock, but the 3.9 transformed that car, being stroke not bored from the 3-litre, it had a lot more torque, even if it was not quite as much power as the later 24-valve Senator motor. The wonderful leather interior you mentioned were trimmed by the company in Italy that also did contemporary Maseratis. If you look at an early bi-turbo interior to see the similarity, you'll see Oh, it. yes. And USA was the target market, but many other cars that went there are now back in Europe. He even says the Bitter Owners Club were a good bunch. They weren't bitter. <laughs> Except literally. That's right. A lot of the members were from Benelux. Um, oh, but it seemed okay. they preferred to join the English-speaking club over the German club. Erich Bitter himself um, turned up at a couple of events regularly. He only got into building Opel-based cars because he was fed up with the warranty claims from his dealership selling into Mechanicas and wanted an wow. exclusive car but based on mass production parts. There we go. That's excellent. That's brilliant. And that's, yeah, lovely. A chap called Sam. He's even, I've got to say, he's even attached Sam's a picture. Life sounds brilliant. He's attached a picture of his kitchen cupboard where he keeps his mugs and cups. And there's a mm. Smith and Sniff Spolt mug oh. right next to a Bristol Owners Club mug, which I think. Oh, hang on! And is there a bitter one on the other side? Yeah, there is. <laughs> that's really what cool. exalted company. So wow, that's that's serious. Sam. We salute you. You're that a gentleman, is, sir. Yeah, that's cup royalty right there. And a yeah. picture of his bitter, <laughs> which looks really bloody cool. I feel like yeah. got developing a bit of an, um, an affection towards Me bitters. too. They make a lot of sense. Only because I just want someone to ask me what car I drive and just go, yeah, it's a bitter. Yeah, they go, I don't, I don't understand. I'm, I'm lost. It's a bitter. Also, it occurs to me that in Germany, uh, bitter is also please. That's right. So is it the please S car? So if someone said, what do you drive in German? You went bitter. You'd be going, please. No, no, but what do you drive? Please. No. Like happened to, you know, the photographer Andy Morgan, who uh, used to be Evo's staff photographer. Yes. Very, very talented chap. And he once checked into a hotel in Germany and they went, and your surname? And he went, Morgan. And they went, yes, good morning. But what is your surname? And he went, Morgan. And they went, yes, either we have established. Just good morning. Thank you, sir. <laughs> It's went round in circles. Oh my gosh, Morgan! Um, so I, I, that's only just occurred to me that that in Germany you're driving a please. That's just brilliant. It's true. It is a please. Can you imagine if there was a a, a low volume, high quality GT made in Britain called the please? It would just be brilliant, wouldn't it? Well, I was just thinking that maybe there should have been a German car company called Danker, and then they could have merged, and you could have had please and thank you as your automotive powerhouse could you imagine i could i please order the please thank you shooting break thank you very much yes <laughs> thank you please what? <laughs> yes the thank this you is becoming very confusing there that's good um uh, since we're, we're doing um a little bit of 
readers' emails, which we always threaten to do and then don't, um, we had a brilliant message from someone called Reese Llewellyn, who has uh, talking about, he said, on a recent trip to Bulgaria, my automotive mind was piqued by some choice vehicles and the application they were being used for. Oh. His email is, in fact, entitled Unexpected Vehicles. In the so baggy He went to Bulgaria, he says... Uh, examples include the Deo Matiz as the main form of taxi in the city of Pleven. T- t- taxi? <laughs> it's taxi. tiny. <laughs> but the main form of taxi so implies there's loads of them. He says, door handled on every corner as expected. Like the rest of the world, they ignore the later Chevy Matiz as the crap imitation of greatness it was. That is true. Uh, number two, early, one mirror and all, Mercedes 190s. Oh, I love Spot a single mirror one. for the one mirror. Single mirror. I know. Really early ones that didn't have the, the uppy downy wiper either. Oh, yeah. They're, they're really, really quite austere. Uh, so, yeah, early uh, Mercedes 190s being used as driving school cars. Both in prosthetic limb bays with the one-piece hubcaps. <laughs> Certainly beats the diesel 207 I learned in, Reese says. I love the prosthetic... <laughs> do you know what it is? It's sun-damaged prosthetic limb. It's one of, yes. the, it's one yeah, of yeah. the shop window examples. It's been left at a certain angle for two years. And you go, oh, what's happened there? Um, um, yeah. But this is my favourite. Reese says, finally, an Opal Corsa B being used as an emergency fire response engine. <laughs> what? The front passenger seat was replaced with a tank for water and hoses on the back seat. What? Nothing more than a bonfire, a brazier at a push, and the poor Corsa is out of its depth. Are you Seriously? Yeah. He says, I was curious to hear if you'd ever seen a car being used for, as something unexpected. Um, oh. I, I can't actually think of anything at the moment. I mean, oh, well, I think I've told this story before about I once, before Uber, and I once came out of a nightclub with some mates, and there's all those guys, you know, who used to hang around in central London, just going minicab, minicab, yeah. minicab. And yeah. So we went up to one of them and went, yeah, we need to go here, mate. And he's like, yeah, follow me. We walked around the corner and there's a row of cars, including a, 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 a Corsa. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And what one of my mates just went, please let it be the Corsa. And just as he said that, the guy clipped the locks. And it was. It was a brand new Corsa. Oh. And it turned out that his Vectra, I talked to him because I sat in the front. Oh, you had to do the talking. Shotgun. And I, he, his Vectra was in the garage and this was the courtesy car and he was just carrying on cabbing with it. Really? Yeah. Bloody hell. I can't remember if he was the guy who then started trying to sell me DVDs. He might have been. But that went on a lot back then, didn't it? Minicabs, sort of all manner of stuff would suddenly... 
Did you? Whilst we're talking of letters, um, we have a lovely a gang of Patreon supporters for this podcast. So, and if you're one of them, um, as usual, thank you ever so much. The chap called Ed Stora. Ed has said, really enjoyed your recent podcast where you talked about Salman Rushdie. Uh, I actually don't remember that, but anyway, I don't remember much of what I said. He said, I read Salman Rushdie's memoir this summer. I was surprised to hear he wrote the arrow ads with the word bubble in them, e.g. Availa bubble and etc. He also mentioned that when he was in hiding, he bought an almost new armoured BMW 7 Series from someone associated with pornography. (laughs) 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 What? He did not mention which model, but based on the year, I'd go early E38, probably 750 IL to carry the weight. His electric garage door motor kept failing because of the weight of the armour on it on that side of things. He had an armoured garage door. <laughs> yes. He had an armoured car in an armoured garage and he bought the wow. ar- the armoured car um, from someone... As- I love the, just the term, someone associated with pornography. <laughs> <laughs> just brilliant. I love this. Thanks for that, Ed. Well, what a great bit of trivia. I did not know that. We learn every day. Where? I'm just trying to find now the message that... I really wanted to read out. Oh, here we go. It's the one that you you spotted as well the other day, isn't it? I think the Andy Pinchock. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yes. Dear Richard, dear Johnny, um, I really enjoy your podcast and videos. Looking forward to seeing a show live someday. Um, the, I don't, can't we? So we can't read out compliments. We we just can't. No, no. Um, too, send too it British. to Steve Wright. He'll read them out for us. <laughs> yeah, we're too British. <laughs> and he says the whole story actually starts when Russian relatives, all of whom worked for Larder at the time, came to our wedding in two thousand and one, and they mentioned how the ninety nine Skoda Felicia, our then car, was a major competitor to their revamped Samara two. Oh, I was pointing out various things on the car when they asked why the steering wheel was so bulky. That's the airbag, I told them. Blank stares. After my explanation, their response was, so you have to replace this bag thing after an accident. My wife then translated my response back that many cars whose airbags have deployed are beyond repair. There was a fairly lengthy back and forth in Russian to which my wife explained to me that in their view, a car that cannot be repaired makes no sense. I tried to mention something about safety and they mumbled about medical bills, so I decided to drop the whole subject. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, he also tried to explain um, fuel injection to them, and apparently that got blank stares as well. But then, this is the good bit. He, he while visiting the Russian in-laws in Toliati the following year, we were treated to a whirlwind tour of the larder factory. The building is nearly a mile long and about an eighth of a mile wide, with all three then models: Neva Samara and Zugli. Is it Zugli? I never know how you pronounce it. The saloon. We we know. Which one, don't we? The yes. Trad larder. Yes. Are they being made simultaneously? We were driven by her uncle's chauffeur in her uncle's car, a Samara sans airbag and fuel injection, with her uncle in the front passenger seat at what felt like 30 miles an hour from one end of 30 to the other. Indoors? In mere inches from the workers. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fast indoors. I, really fast indoors. Also, imagine sort of like a shiny concrete floor. Oh my gosh! What any steering input whatsoever is going to be very squeaky. Yeah, and they probably haven't fully checked the tire pressures. So, oh no, you know what I mean. One of them's going to be sort of twelve, fourteen psi. It's going to be a bit soft. 
uh, after a few minutes of my wife not translating my concerns about whether this is safe or wise, I took in my surroundings but could not discern any rhyme or reason as to how it was determined which model they were building at any time. When I asked, the response was, as the parts are made. As I pondered this, I was busy trying not to watch an accident happen as we zipped by people carrying car parts and other items from unseen bins, acting completely oblivious to the car trundling within a few feet of their workstations. <laughs> the only admission to the need of security was a very slight honk at some intersections where forklifts might emerge. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Um, and so it, this trip sounds incredible. Uh, they exited on the north side. We can see the forge, proper forge, where they smelted many of their own parts as well as the stamping plant to avoid the dependency on outside suppliers. Sourcing problems have led to, led to hundreds of missing rear windows in the estate version of the Zugli, <laughs> which had to be parked on the company's soccer pitch inside the test track. And their rear windows mounted manually by two slightly annoyed-looking smoking gentlemen. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens when you don't do things yourself, called Uncle Yuri to us in the back seats. Oh. He then pointed out the quality control. Every car had its headlights tested and adjusted and then was driven over ten planks of wood. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? what do you Followed mean? by a 30-centimetre dip and then a speed bump before taking a spin around the test track. Any body faults were corrected by a smoking 150-kilo gentleman who literally manhandled the panels back into shape to make the doors shut properly. What? (laughs) What? This is amazing. (laughs) It's incredible. But then, so this is a very long email, but it's worth it because this trip to Russia sounds absolutely deranged. A few days later... Andy says, we were invited on a cruise on a yacht. He's put cruise and yacht in inverted commas. Okay. The yacht turned out to be an ex-police speedboat with nice hydrofoils. (laughs) And the cruise was actually just a small trip up and down the Volga. We stopped for fuel in a port that included what looked like nuclear submarines as well as ocean-going freighters. (laughs) Right. After a nice trip visiting the hydroelectric dam that's caused the death of several local species in a green algae plague... (laughs) I could feel and smell the telltale signs of a motor overheating. Right. My second car was a Triumph Spitfire, hence I knew it well. The skipper, he's put that in inverted commas as well, didn't believe me at first until I pointed out maybe the gauge wasn't to be trusted as it was obviously disconnected. We stopped and discussions continued. And given me not speaking the lingo, I poured water on the part of the engine block I knew was safe. And when it immediately turned into steam... They agreed that the engine was indeed hot. (laughs) How should one handle such a situation? A, let the engine cool and sail slowly back to port. B, call for help and get a tow back to port. Or C, fill the engine block with water, which will cook off while my my wife's cousin water skied behind the boat. Are you joking? Uh, They filled... They chose C. What? They just filled it with water, yeah. What? This led to the engine seizing within minutes, which led to the electrics going out as the battery died, which led to us drifting on Europe's longest river at dusk between ocean-going freighter ships. (laughs) No way! Is this this is made up? (laughs) I mean, it's amazing. Which were honking to tell us to get out of the way, and yep, a nuclear submarine from the port. Why the sub was on a river that empties into a landlocked sea, I don't know. But with no power to send signals and mobile phones having bad reception, I was getting mildly put out. At some point, someone contacted a tow service, 
which was a man in a plastic dinghy with a one-cylinder two-stroke <laughs> engine that probably achieved two no, knots. this is just better and better. <laughs> After the tow rope came undone twice, once because the knot was poor and another time because it just broke, we, we got home a mere ten hours later than planned. Ten hours! It's just, hang on a minute. Did you say it was a single cylinder towboat with a, a one cylinder two stroke towboat, tow a plastic dinghy? <laughs> um, <it's>, <laughs> that's Andy. I've just seen he's, he's actually at the end signed it. Andy, Andy Pinchock. He's, he's given us a handy Andy, pronunciation that, guide. He's what? an expat American in Germany. Uh, I guess married to a Russian though. I, this is <clears throat> all I can say is that is. That is the letter of the month. There won't be a better it's, letter than that. It's amazing, isn't it? He's he's a, 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 quite a tease, though, Andy, because he's concluded it by saying, next time, if you can stand it, how to barrel roll a 76 Firebird and survive, how police react to an overheating 82 Corolla whose steering box has fallen out while driving. What? <laughs> and how many washing machines can you fit into a Wartburg 1.3? Oh, my gosh, this man's living it. All of it. We I need. Think, we need to download him. Just yes. Yeah, I think you just need your own podcast, Andy. Yeah, um, which would be significantly better than our piece of shite. <laughs> yeah, won't it? Just, now just mooching off your glories. This has reminded me, though, of the infamous James May inflatable dinghy story that I think I've alluded to, possibly on a podcast or a video before, but I don't know if I've ever told it. Which is, um, it's quite a, it's quite a good tale of how. James May bought, I think he bought this dinghy off eBay, perhaps. And it came with this tiny outboard motor. <laughs> and one evening, James lives near the river in West London. Lovely, and James, sweet, James's sweet friend, sweet, sweet guy. The car journalist Colin Goodwin, who's a good friend of James's, came over. And the pair of them decided to inflate this dinghy and go down the River Thames to a pub of, down the river. Of course, of course. Of course. So they did. And it fired up the little, you know, single-cylinder engine. Ding, 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 ding. Off they go. But basically it's the current that's, that's mostly carrying them in a, an easterly direction to a pub a bit down the river. Had a few pints... It's a summer's evening, but the sun's starting to go down. It's getting a bit dark, so they think, right, we better head home before we can't get up the river safely. <laughs> They're now fighting against the current of the River Thames, of which course. is quite powerful. It is powerful. Unlike their engine, which is not. So so they get, they get in it. Colin decides to man the engine. Ding, 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 ding. James is lounging at the front of the yes, dinghy. Yes, keep the bow And he down. suddenly looks, and he's like... Goodwin's getting lower. Why is Goodwin getting lower from where I where I'm lying? And he realizes, you know, those dinghies are compartmentalized, aren't they? Yeah. The rear compartment is deflating. <laughs> and Colin Goodwin and his sh- his shit, shit engine motor are so the they real by the time they realize because they're a little bit giddy because of being in the pub. They realize that they're not going anywhere because the prop is now not even facing backwards. It's basically just firing towards the bed of the river because the back of the boat has gone so soft. <laughs> and then they realise they're slowly drifting backwards back past the pub they've just come from where there are people sitting outside going, there's those two silly twats who just got in that dinghy. Seriously? 
So, yeah. so hang on a so, minute. Was, it was the boat was going so soft. Was it almost going into a sort of mild jackknife where the back was being yeah, powered and overtaking yes, the front? <laughs> James realizes under the sort of khaki little bench bit in the middle, there's a pump. There's a hand pump they brought with them wisely. So he's desperately trying to pump up the back of the boat again. So while Goodwin has cranked the motor to maximum, so the pair of them is. All they're doing is staying in the same place. providing a live river show for everybody at the pub they've just come from. These two silly twats. It sounds like something from Blooming Catch the Pigeon or Wacky Races or whatever it is, isn't it? Until finally, I think they had to admit defeat and just go back to the banks some distance past the pub they just um, oh, they did just come from. They did, them. and then walk back to the pub with this sort of soggy, deflated dinghy and this overheated outboard motor. And they oh. don't think they ever put the dinghy on the river again. I I told you my story about my about my stag do being river based, didn't I? On, I'm not on a sure. Pocket. Have you? <clears throat> well, I had a I had a river river voyage based stag do it was a stag weekend <clears throat> we were we were we were wild we were wild living so we put we put all the boats in in the water at the same time on the river Wye, and we 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 rode for a day uh, there were kayaks inflatable mostly inflatable sort of canoes kayaks um apart from one guy who my friend of mine, who's like a bollocks to that. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not paddling. So he brought an enormous amount of beer, and um, an ex hire rowing boat from a local boating lake that had. And I, I, I kid you not, Rich, he turned up with it, and he went. Um, he was a bit late, so we were all like, "Well, we'll, we'll be going in in about an hour. Everyone's going to be ready in about an hour." And it and it had been raining a lot the days before, so the river was high and quite muddy coloured and quite oh. angry looking. Well, he turned mm-hmm. up in this boat. There was a hole in the hull of it, which he knew about, but he was like, I'll just sort it out just before we go in. I said, no, the hole is like the size of a big potato. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's not just a small gash. It's like a whole hole. The boat's going down within seconds of you putting it in the water. So he's like, oh, yeah, we'll be okay. So he went on his phone and found a nearby Halfords, R- ran to Halfords to get um, a glass fibre repair kit, okay, which, as you know, is like a tin of resin and a load of matting. Mm. He'd mm. never done any glass fibring in his life. And he... he <laughs> Are you supposed to let it cure for, yeah, like, yes, ages? Yes, he's supposed to let it cure for about at least 12 hours. And he'd be lucky <laughs> if you get 12 minutes. But B, even better than that, he put all of the hardener in at once because he didn't know, he didn't read the instructions. <laughs> and he was, he was stirring, he was stirring the tin and it went off immediately. So the tin just went rock hard and was hot because it had reacted so viciously. So he instantly got back in the car and went and bought another repair kit. <laughs> well, well, we were all waiting for him with our, like, kayaks. And, and, and he came back, he did the repair w- without putting all the hardener in. So it was still tacky, tacky dry. He insisted on being the first boat in the water because he said, "Well, I've I brought an outboard." And get this, I mean, he he was just so good. He'd done that. He'd painted the boat up to look like Baywatch, but it said Baldwatch because him and his mate who were in it were both bald. They put loads of beer in it, but they bought an outboard motor. Okay, that was still in the box. They hadn't even taken it out of the box, read the instructions, run it in, found the right mm. oil or anything. 
<laughs> and the first time they struck it up was when they put the boat in the water with them two. And you know when the current's really quick? It's like when you drop a, a twig in the water and it suddenly goes, oh, that's, that's going, isn't it? Oh, mm. that's going. Well, yeah. they did that in a boat with a tacky hole repair in the bottom of it. And the boat went flying down the river to the point where you should have seen that their, their, their pupils, their eyes went so <laughs> wide and the boat just started spinning because there's no control uh, over it. <laughs> so, like a, one of those teacup waltzes. Yes, exactly. So you've got these two guys going down with life jackets on and loads of beer, so it was very low in the water. And, and immediately, one guy on the transom at the back there with this box fresh uh, outboard motor that he had no idea about. He just put fuel in it and mixed it like roughly. It was brilliant. He was just going, oh, 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 oh. And we were all shouting, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right, boys. Boys, you're going to be all right. And he was just going down the river, like really far, going, oh, 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 trying to start this motor. And it wasn't catching because it was brand new. And then it finally caught. So the first thing this engine ever did in its life was straight to wide open throttle on a on a on a very quite strong currented river. <laughs> Two stroke, obviously. <laughs> and from where they'd gone to, let's say they'd gone about a hundred meters away down the river from us by the time the motor caught, right? It took them about ten minutes to get back to us <laughs> up upstream. <laughs> And the, the the boat's angle in the water was over forty five degrees. The back was so low because of, because, because of all the lager. It was just lager and a really weak outboard, and the front was just right in the air. It was hilarious. So yeah, that was the start of my my statue. Nobody drowned. Um, Amazing. Yeah. To, Where was this all taking place? This was um, th- this was at Herefordshire, uh. the, the River Wye. Oh, I think it's the River Wye that I almost drowned on on a stag do. Oh, cool. Because cause we went whitewater rafting, sort of. Rapid, I don't know. I mean, I had, I, what had I done? I'd injured myself in some way or other before the stag do, not on it. What, drinking injury? DI? No, no, no. Just, <clears> I, um, what I'd done? Torn a hamstring or something. It was something fucking painful, I remember that. And um, it was very uncomfortable for me to sit in any way in a small kayak. And I was partnered with a chap called Mally. Mally's a big lad, and I thought he was quite sporty, but I didn't know him very well at that point. It turns out he's the laziest bastard. I mean, I'm quite lazy, but this bloke... And he just sat at the front. What? And I got so angry, and I'm not a kind of Mr Motivator sporty kind of person, but at one point I just went, PADDLE! in his ear because he was just sitting there not doing anything was and I was drinking? doing all the work was he drinking no okay. no no this was in the morning this was the morning after we'd been drinking but she's fair enough we were all feeling a bit crispy but he didn't do anything and anyone who's ever been in those sort of two man things that go down rapids you know that to sort of keep yourself pointing straight you've got to do some paddling because if you go broadside you're going over and inevitably that's what happened because we were one wheel drive because Mally was too bone idle to, to paddle properly. Of course. And we went over and my waterproof trousers got pulled down around my ankles. And when you've just plunged into a freezing cold river, to find you can't kick your legs is quite a panicky that's, feeling. Yeah, that's hard. And I had a proper like life flashing before my eyes moment where I just went, oh my God, this is it. I'm going to drown because I can't, I can't in this sort of bubbling water and I can't kick my legs. And thankfully I grabbed on the side of a of another kayak and they pulled me in. But it was not pleasant. 
for a bit. I, I felt like I felt like a, I do I did enjoy a river kayaking based um, stag do because we we drank all day, um, but we we exercised as well. So it was an interesting combination of sort of cadence and, yes. and units. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, I, I've done a couple of those outdoorsy stag do's where it's sort of, you know, and then you sleep incredibly well because fresh air plus heavy drinking. Oh, sleep incredibly well. We had a campfire on the first night. Yeah, first night. And my friend who'd been watching too many films um, thought it would be a great idea to walk across the embers barefooted. Anyway. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that ended well, didn't it? He went to sleep. and <laughs> He's the one that I think I must have told you this story where he, he climbed up a, a, a tree um, and sawed a branch off it to feed the fire when the fire got quite large and a little bit tribal. But he sawed the branch that he was sat on, like, oh like some sort of carry-on film. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this. Who is this guy, Wiley Coyote? I could, I, I, do you know what? Just to, add, <clears throat> just to add, add insult to injury, the farmer who'd let us camp in his field next to the river, the next morning came over and he looked up at this tree where there was obviously a branch missing. It had all been burnt. And he went, oh, that must have come off in a storm. He said, you guys haven't taken anything off that tree, have we? And we all just looked at him. We were all hung over as hell. No, I don't think so. And he went, yeah, okay, well, that's the oldest tree in Hereford. Oh. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh. Nobody said anything. We did, When I say sawed a bit off it, we didn't saw like, you know, it wasn't like a 12-inch diameter bow off it but i mean we it something yeah, but, something mm. was removed from it mm, mm, i'm not mm. proud of that part but anyway i mean just to make it matters worse he the, the he, he woke up the next morning his feet were covered in welts and he was so he was so <laughs> pissed he forgot to put his own tent up so he fell asleep in an alfa romeo gtv and he had the worst <laughs> night's sleep of his life <laughs> so yeah there wow. we go yeah well, um, look. You just mentioned the uh, your mate with the fiberglass repair kit. Yeah. Sort. Then it just reminded me of uh, of another email we've had, uh, also from a listener called Andy. Andy says, back in two thousand and three, when I was a plumber apprentice, we used to fit bathtubs into styrofoam supporter. Okay. They got glued in with two component foam. All the guys I work with always told me the spray can must be emptied completely. I never worried about these cans until a co-worker wrote off his Nissan Sunny estate with one of these cans. On that day, we used one of the cans, but it was not quite enough. So I activated a second one and we used a little bit of it. Before we drove back to the office, he tossed the can in the back of the van without asking me if I'd emptied it completely. On the way back, there was a huge bang in the car and the hole inside and us got covered in sticky green foam. What? After we came to a sudden stop, we tried to clean the car, but there was no way to clean it. You could clearly see where we had been sitting, because these were the only areas without smeared foam on them. So we arrived at the office covered in foam and had to explain to the boss why he had to buy a new car. Oh, my god! Lucky gosh. for me, I was only the apprentice. So car written off by exploding styrofoam supports i don't even know this stuff no do you know this two component foam it sounds lethal i think i know what they're talking about yeah i think i do but i i didn't realize it was so potent no me neither well, bloody hell i know it's a bit scary that isn't it yeah this is like my bro- my brother told me a story he swears it's someone it's like a friend of a friend was a plumber's apprentice or you know 
sort of you know just doing some casual like being a plumber's mate kind of work and he was sitting in the plumber's van waiting for him so he's got his headphones on just listening to his walkman would have been back in the day would have been walkman yeah and then plumber gets in drives off kid's still got his headphones on he's just sort of humming along to the music and he's um what's the song that goes it's got barbados in it we're going to ibiza by the no it's not that one it's the Oh, that's the one I keep thinking of, but it's not that. But it's one. It's, it's the one that goes da, da, da. woo woo. That one. <laughs> I don't, anyway, that sounded like he sung a, a drunk Paul McCartney jam session. <laughs> 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 this story would work better if I could remember the song, but it's a song with woe in it. And this kid sung the woe. The plumber thought he was saying woe and slammed on the brakes, and the car drove into the back of their van. No, mm. when he was just singing. Mm. If we're doing if we're doing messages uh, from listeners, this isn't anything to read out. I just want to say thank you to a listener called calling himself V Max, because um, a few episodes ago, I think in the little run out bit of the podcast, you referred to um, a mythical singer. I can't remember what we were calling her, but you said she was a fluttery wench, and uh, V Max has mocked up a Mariah Carey poster. As if she's on the fluttery wench tour, <laughs> made me chuckle. Um, oh yeah, uh, do you know what? As well, the our listeners are really, really clever they, and know a lot of stuff. They do, because whenever we have we have questions, or even sometimes when we don't, people just send in bits of additional information, which helps sort of fill in the gaps or exposes our chronic lack of knowledge about almost everything. So, a chap called Stuart Cunningham wrote in. Um, with an email entitled Luton Grotmag Trading Scheme, which is something I mentioned a few episodes I mean, ago. seriously, <clears> if that isn't a, B- a Six Music session, yeah, really then I don't know what is. <laughs> um, on the all evening session. Uh, so Stuart says, just to give some retail background to the returns operation mentioned on the podcast, newspapers and magazines are operated on a sale or return basis, meaning any unsold magazines can be returned to the wholesaler to claim the cost back. This may be why they would get discount on the next set of gentlemen's special interest literature, as the shop would not be charged for the magazines, but still makes money from selling them to the discerning clientele. What? There have been some other stuff as well that people have set us straight on. Now I can't remember it. <laughs> Do you know we, not very well prepared. You know, we don't, someone, someone called Simon Hall, who's a patriot, he said, with regards to your planned London to Brian race featuring retro modded iron horses surely an honourable patron should be Brian should be Brian London the British heavyweight boxer who sadly lost to Cassius Clay in 1966 and passed away this year the Brian London London to Brian trophy (laughs) would normally start in London but on those occasions when the annually selected Brian dwells in London the race could start in Blackpool where Brian London had a famous nightclub excellently named the 007s and it would then be the Brian London to London Brian I should probably get back to work thank you Simon that's uh, it's, I don't know it made me giggle it's very odd it could work that the Brian London London to Brian <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just do I, oh, I, I'll just do wow. one we've got loads I feel guilty we don't we don't read out enough enough messages from listeners we do read them all I promise and this one I, I made a note to read it out at some point because it's from a chap called Ed Holness uh, it says dear Smith and Sniff uh, first of all I've always wondered if Steve Berry on old Top Gear was ever actually that into motorbikes um, yeah I think he was I know he used to get a load of flack for like not getting his knee down and stuff but uh, yeah, I think he's, he was pretty into motorbikes um, 
Secondly, Ed says, and related to cars, or indeed trikes, and also how thick animals are, which is something we were discussing the other week, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, an old Yorkshire colleague of mine and his dad bought a goat for cash off a mate. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you do that? I don't know. An old Yorkshire colleague of mine bought, and, his mate, and his dad bought a goat for cash off a mate who may have, well, stolen said goat. Goat They for intended cash. goat for cash. Uh, two more from them later. They intended to take the goat home to give them goat's milk. <laughs> in brackets, in brackets, Ed adds, it was Yorkshire in the 80s. The only transport available was his dad's reliant robin. To subdue the goat and make it safe for transport, they tied a bag around its head and lumbered it into the boot of the robin before setting off on their merry way. Did you say... Half an hour later, they came to a small town and possibly the many changes of direction and poor handling of the robin caused the goat to start kicking off a bit. So much so that it managed to kick the boots open and escape out onto a Yorkshire high street. No way. He and his dad jumped out and gave chase to a very confused goat charging around the high street still with a bag on its head. What? Seriously? (laughs) Who happened to be a few cars back but the local constabulary who had a number of questions about who the goat belonged to, why it was in the boot of a car and why it had a bag on its head. Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous. How Ed's, Ed's question is, how thick is an animal that you can subdue it by just sticking a bag on its head? Well, well, hang on, you've got intelligent birds like hawks, but if you put a... Um, if you put a small leather satchel on their head or whatever it is, yeah. they go all, they get all chilled out, don't they? Um, yeah. There's a there's a Brian Ferry video where he's holding one, which I always think is yes. quite funny because he's wearing a white cocktail suit and I think he's got eyeliner yeah. on, but he's also holding up a hawk with a, a a bib on its head. Trouble is, there's no dinner suit that's not going to suffer from getting bird shit on it is it because a black one the white shit will show up and a white suit the black bits will show up so really i would advise I brian do perry it. not to wear a dinner suit no, of I any just... sort while he's doing falconry <laughs> <laughs> or just a, you know in a coastal town eating chips when he goes have you. when he goes into his savile row tailor does they say will sir be um involved with falconry with this particular garment <laughs> yes yes i am actually funny. i'm going yeah. to it i'd like it to be scratch resistance if that's right because talons are an absolute tosser for, for, <laughs> for threading in <laughs> maybe that's it maybe brian ferry he's a man of means perhaps he's had a special falconry dinner suit made it's up. kevlar it's like kevlar yeah kevlar yeah. It can't be can't be very easy kevlar hitched. and then it's got very what would it be like there's that stuff you know like scotch guard it's heavily scotch guarded sleeves oh, so that bird shit it. just wipes off yeah like yeah, a yeah. sheet dip it's left under uh, under under the water for 24 hours so it properly seeps in yeah oh yeah Brian why are your sleeves wet to the touch that's scotch guard don't yeah don't let your don't fingers after you touch my sleeves it's uh, it's because of the falcon or he's gone to Travis Perkins and bought a load of silicon and just drowned it in silicon basically could have done that so it's yeah. constantly wet look it's a wet yeah. a wet look yeah. cocktail joke. <laughs> wet look dinner suit <laughs> <laughs> oh god Anyway, um, oh, oh yeah, I was going. I was going to ask if anyone knew. We're talking as our listeners are very knowledgeable. If anyone knew why the new backlight for my nine eleven that I've had to buy doesn't fit, what? It's bizarre. Yeah. Oh, it's a long story. I'll. I'll, I'll it's next, condensation next in the lens. Was is that its issue? Yeah, yeah. Condensation in the lens. Tried to dry it out. It's not working. So uh, it seems like the part number for the lamp that's in there at the moment that's discontinued. So I thought well, I'd found the newer part number, bought it. Connectors different. 
Can you just s- slightly listen? Send the old one to me. I'll drill a very small hole in it, and I will I will air it, and then I will. No, I've done that. Up. Oh, I've you've done that. You've been there and done it. Yeah, well, I didn't drill a hole in it, but I just I drained it. I drained it and left it inside. Yeah. While my car was outside with a bin bag taped over the hole, it looked like a pirate. It was really weird. <laughs> I hope you got um, a photo of that, didn't you? I didn't. No, oh. no. But the neighbours kept coming over, going, "What's wrong with your car?" And I was like, oh, "It's fine." Uh, anyway, we won't get bogged down in that. We will just uh, wrap this up by saying we have three things to tell you, and they are: one, Johnny has a solo YouTube channel called The Late Break Show. Many, many things on there. I watched your um, electric Russian Jeep thing the other day. Did you? And um, yeah, reading between the lines, is it? Obviously, it's very impressive off-road, but is it, it's not... I just looked at it and went, oh, I bet that's not very nice. Above 45 miles an hour, it, it's a little terrifying. That's what I would say. Um, <laughs> I, I, so. I think I cut the bit out where I said, it's a bit like you've accidentally put cross-plies on the front and radials on the back of a car, or vice versa, and sort of one thing's doing a very different dance to the yeah. other. The back end was just waving. Um, on a straight road. I remember mixing those kind of tyres. Adverts from my childhood told me that will cause an Austin 1100 to turn over. So well, quite. don't ever do that. So, yeah, I'd say under 50 miles an hour, it's fine. It's, mm. it's, it just feels very kind of old school off-roadery with, with knobbly tyres. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's yeah. born. It's born really for, for fields and rough back mm. lanes and uphill and down dale. That's what it's, it's built for. The torque on it is mm-hmm. incredible. It, it mm. was insane mm. off-road. Okay, really, good. Well, go and watch really that, please. And hilariously low-tech. Yes. <laughs> to the I like the door bins as well. The door bins are a good idea. Why don't more people do Door bins are amazing. Peasant smock door bins. <laughs> uh, the second thing I've got to tell you is that I have got books out, so you know that, but um, Christmas is coming, so please go and buy them for people you like or maybe don't like. Either way, uh, Boring Car Trivia 3 is the new one, available on Amazon as an ebook or a paperback, or you can get the paperback from the Late Break Show merchandise shop. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Which also sells and, merchandise um, off of Smith & Sniff. Like drinking receptacles, high-quality ones at that. Uh, T-shirt garments, um, ethically sourced. Um, And what else is there, Richard? Oh, stickers. Stickers. Uh, Yeah, things like that. I should know exactly what we sell. I don't fully remember at this moment in time but don't worry it's there's a lot of stuff though isn't there it's it's and and um we appreciate people who you know people who buy it it's um it's uh, it helps us to justify continuing to do this and it makes us feel a little bit loved as well it does it does which is is, is th- nice thank you and the third thing i've got to tell you is that uh, the man who wrote the pure imagination song from willy wonka um the movie willy wonka chocolate factory uh also wrote uh, Nina Simone's Feeling Good and Goldfinger. Really? James Bond theme. Yeah. I always uh, used to... His name was Leslie Brickers. I always used to think Shirley Bassey said, Goldfinger, the one with the spider's tits. (laughs) (laughs) It sort of sounds like that. But anyway... I was singing Diamonds and Pearls to myself after we last spoke well, last week, wasn't it? I love so it. You said you'd been listening yeah. to Diamonds and Pearls on repeat. Loved the intro. And then for the, for a few days after we, we talked about that, I just kept singing it to myself. But you know there's that bit that goes A to the I to the A to the... And there's just some spelling going on. Yes. But I couldn't... I, I should have just gone and listened to the actual track. But rather than that, I was just trying to sing it in my You were making it up, head. weren't you? Well, I was like, what are they spelling out? 
Um, yeah, it's like respect with um, Urethra Franklin. Um, I can never yes. quite work out whether she's spelling it right because I have to go back through it and go, is that how you spell respect? I just want R E C S P T. What? Yeah. No, I think that's reptile. <laughs> reptile. Um, R E P T I T I L E. F I E S T A S T. Fiestast. Right. Fiestas. Well, anyway. Forever. That's quite enough of that. But um, we will be back doing this all again next week. So until then, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thanks and goodbye. All night, garage. All night. All night. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 